It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to the Atop the Pitbox podcast presented by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com, your Lake of the Ozark vacation experts. On this episode, we are going to talk about last weekend's race in Vegas, touch on some breaking NASCAR injury news, and look ahead to this weekend's race in Phoenix. Josh Norton, how you guys doing? Doing good, Zach. How are you? Doing well. Doing good. Doing good. Excited to talk about last weekend's thrilling, exciting, fantastic race. (laughs) We're we're gonna we're gonna have a special Zach here tonight. I think the 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 Zach of of old is going to show his face. I, I think, think we might so. all agree with Zach tonight. For a Unfortunately, yeah, it, he has some he has some merit this week. I think so. Before we get into tonight's episode, we want to just first thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate you being a, a part of this uh, podcast and a part of this league. So thank you very much. If you would like to support the show and the league. Just a reminder, we do have T-shirts for sale on our website for only $20. So log on to there, atopthepitbox.com, and you can see the designs and colors that we have for sale on our website. Let's get into the first big bit of news here. And part of the, I guess, the good or bad of us not doing a daily podcast, but a weekly podcast is some of this news as it breaks. We almost felt like I sh- we should get on here and talk about this this injury uh, to Chase Elliott happened on Friday night and uh, has some big time implications on uh, our fantasy NASCAR league, as well as obviously the the NASCAR league itself. So, uh, Zach, what are your thoughts on on Chase? Well, for those who don't know this, which means you've been living under a rock, but Chase Elliott broke his leg snowboarding in Colorado on Friday night. Had emergency surgery, lasted three hours. Uh, he was able to fly back home over the weekend. But this is some huge NASCAR news. And uh, we really haven't seen this for quite some time in NASCAR with a driver being hurt non-concussion-wise and having to miss multiple weeks, especially from a fantasy standpoint. So uh, he's going to be out for an undetermined amount of time. There's been some time frames thrown out. Uh, four weeks, six weeks, months. Uh, so we we just don't know how long this is going to take. But for reference, Kyle Busch was the first guy that I thought of when, when this news broke. He got hurt in the Xfinity race in Daytona in 2011, broke his leg, broke his ankle, and missed 11 races. So uh, hopefully Chase isn't out that long. Uh, but he is hurt and he's going to be out for quite some time, uh, which does impact those teams that have him uh, on their fantasy teams, unfortunately. Chase is your boy, Josh. What are your thoughts on uh, him being injured and what went through your mind when you first heard that? So I was on my way to get some birthday ice cream with the with the wife and kids, ironically driving past the Hooters. When uh, the news came on uh, my phone and actually it was a retweet from from Norton that said, you know, something about an injury. So obviously, you know, the first thought is you just want to make sure he's all right. And then you start thinking about the implications to his team and and the season and then eventually the, 
the, the, the fantasy NASCAR league. And, you know, as somebody who has him on multiple teams, you start to think about what to do. And there wasn't a lot of news that was, you know, available right away. So everyone was just kind of guessing. We didn't even know what he had broke. Just it, it was his leg. So it was, you know, you never want to see anybody get hurt. And it's uh, unfortunate for for him and, and that team. But things happen and and we will we'll move on. So he sounds like he's going to be all right. He's got a long road to recovery, but, um, you know, it's it it is what it is. There's been a lot of talk about should he have been able to be snowboarding or, you know, doing something like that on his own time. Hendrick came out and said that it's they're not changing their policies. What are your thoughts on restrictions after something like this happens? So this may or may not surprise you, but I'm basically dead middle, understand both sides of this thing. Really don't have, um, you know, a strong opinion one way or the other. I get both sides of this thing. So kind of talk through this here. If you're the driver, you're Chase Elliott. You have to live a normal life outside of the race car. You've got to be able to do things that you want to do to decompress, de-stress, have fun, kind of get away from the racetrack, get away from the car and, and live your life. So I completely understand why Chase was doing this. Apparently his his family's had a home in the mountains uh, since he was basically a kid. He's been on a snowboard for a very long time. He knows what he's doing. Sounds like it was just an absolute freak accident, something that you know anyone could have had happen to them. So I get Chase Elliott's side or the driver's side where these guys got to go out, live their lives, have fun and, and keep living their life as if, you know, any normal human being would. But I also understand the business side of things. If you're Rick Hendrick, you've got tens of millions of dollars on the line in regards to sponsors, uh, to paying the crew, to paying Chase himself. And then you've got a bunch of guys, you know, the pit crew, uh, teammates, the the employees at the shop, that their livelihoods kind of depend on Chase performing well at the racetrack. So uh, I, I don't know what the sponsors are thinking at this point, whether it be Hooters, Napa, those are two of his big, big sponsors. Uh, but I see it from a business side of things as well. So again, I'm impartial. I really don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, but I completely underside both or understand both sides of the situation here. So with that being said, Josh, do you have, uh, I guess, a side that you feel strongly about? I, I'm very similar to how, how you feel, although I would say I'm more 75, 25 on the driver's side. I I understand the business, but at the end of the day, these are human beings and they need to be able to to make these choices and do I think it was the smartest thing to be snowboarding or, you know, no, probably not, but he felt comfortable enough doing it. He knows the risks. He's, he's an adult. He knows what's on the line and he felt comfortable making that choice. And I would be shocked if there's any fallout from, from Napa and, and Hooters. I, I feel like they've been pretty good sponsors of him. I think they'll stand behind him again. It's only going to be probably a couple months. So, I mean, it doesn't look good, but at the end of the day, it's it's i think it's it's just him living his life norton do you have an opinion uh, i think i agree with you guys i would say I, I lean more into the driver's camp as well and and really even some of the feedback that we've heard from 
you know, the president Hendrick coming out and saying the drivers have to live their lives. I don't think there's going to be much change or much fallout. Like you said, from this sounds like between driver interviews and team owners uh, that everyone kind of agrees that the drivers can't be in a padded room all season. So uh, I, I, I side with the drivers here. And I think Kevin Harvick said something to the effect of if we didn't have an outlet, we would go nuts. Like we would go crazy. And you know, that's somebody that's been in the sport for a really long time. And yeah, there's probably an argument for safer outlets. Uh, but, you know, you got Kyle Larson running dirt tracks and and all these other. I don't know if those are necessarily safer for, a, you know, versus a experienced snowboarder, but it is what it is. And we now have to deal with uh, with a Chase Elliott or a nine car that won't have Chase Elliott for the foreseeable future. When we are wrong, Zach, we like to admit when we're wrong. And last week we said something uh, in regards to the uh, new rule for the tire uh, when it gets loose. So we just wanted to clarify what that new rule is. Uh, we thought it was they were suspended for four races, but that has actually been reduced down to two races with the new rule. Yeah, you're exactly right, Josh. If we're wrong, we're gonna we're gonna come out and and say what the the right thing is. So, in regards to this new loose rule tire rule uh, in NASCAR, if a wheel comes off on pit road, the car just has to restart at the tail end of the longest line. If a wheel comes off while on pit road during green flag racing, it's a pass through penalty. And if a wheel comes off on the racetrack, and this is what happened to Martin Truex Jr., the first guy that had, or first driver that had a wheel fall off on the racetrack. Uh, he's penalized two laps, so he's got to go sit in his pits off for two laps. And then two pit crew members are suspended for two races. We originally thought they were sticking with the original four races, but that has been reduced to two races. So we just wanted to clarify that for you guys. Hopefully we don't see too many loose uh, tires this year, but... Uh, we were wrong and we wanted to point out what the uh, new rule changes are for the loose tire. So let's get into some some good news or what appears to be good news is we've got some big changes coming to the short ovals and the road courses in regards to the aerodynamics of these cars. I'm really hoping this makes these short tracks and short ovals exciting how they were back a couple of years ago, but NASCAR came out, they've done a lot of testing in the off season and they made a couple announcements here. And, and essentially what NASCAR is doing is they're, re, they're doing some modifications to this new next gen car that will reduce the downforce on these tracks and, and make it uh, very hard to drive and hard for these cars to essentially get away from each other. So prime, some, some, Prime examples of the changes, the spoiler size, which is their main component of trying to, you know, put downforce on these cars. They've reduced it from four inches to two inches. And then they did a bunch of tweaks to the diffuser uh, on the underbody of the car. So the diffuser and the spoiler are the two main components of what create downforce on these cars. And they've made changes to both of these. Uh, this package is going to be run at tracks where wet weather equipment is required, which is essentially all the road courses and all the short tracks, excluding Bristol and Dover. So Phoenix this weekend is the first race that this new package will be ran. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm sure I sure hope this works because the short tracks are the bread and butter of NASCAR. 
And I really hope we see some exciting racing uh, at Phoenix moving forward. So any of these changes, are they anything that the drivers have talked about wanting? I, I think it's yes and no. The drivers, there, there's some drivers that want more horsepower. And that essentially just would make the car harder to drive because, you know, they're going to come off the corner and the rear ends are going to be coming, you know, going all over the place because of how much horsepower they have. They have, and you have some drivers who want zero spoiler. They want the spoiler completely gone. Like let, let's let the drivers handle these crazy loose race cars and just see, see what happens. So there's drivers on both sides of this thing, but in the end, I think every driver wants the same thing and they just want, to be able to have more say more driver power per se uh show off their talents and, and hope that these cars uh are better better suited for these short tracks because last year's racing product on short tracks uh was not very exciting to watch so something i thought about just thought just now is when the so this is the next gen car when the car previously was introduced did it go through these growing pains as well or did did that car come out and it was perfect from the start it was it was good or is it different because this one is put together by nascar mostly and instead of the teams that's a good question uh, i can't remember when when the previous car was first introduced the so I don't know the exact ins and outs, but I can tell you, I know that this next gen car was supposed to come out a few years ago and it didn't, it got delayed for whatever reason. And then they, they rushed it. They did a couple of test sessions and then they put the car on the track and, and they essentially said, we're going to learn as we go with this thing. And, and we're going to, you know, we might have some bad races. We might have some issues to come up, whether that's, you know, the, the, the flare-ups and the fire issues with the, the tire buildup, the rubber buildup on the mufflers. So hopefully they fix that. It's just been a big learning curve. And I think the biggest part about this is like you pointed out, Josh, is NASCAR is now supplying pretty much all of the pieces of this car where the teams just don't have a lot of adjustability in these cars to kind of tweak it, how the driver likes it or, or tweak things how they used to in the past. So I think there's been a big steep learning curve on this car, but I think there's been a lot of teams in the off season that have figured this car out or, or at least better than they did last year. And I'm hoping that the racing product this year kind of uh, is an example of, of the changes and strides that they've made on this car in the off season to just make it a better racing product overall. But I guess uh, time, time will tell us if, if that's how it's gone down or not. So let's take a look at this past weekend's race. And this this uh, this episode so far has felt very somber. We had the, you know the Chase Elliott news, and and so this race isn't going to help bring this uh, spirit up, is it, Zach? No, this is going to be the old Zach coming out, Josh and and, and Nort, and I'm not in the the uh, minority uh, on this one at all. I don't believe, but I had some really high expectations coming into this, this past weekend's race. Las Vegas is typically a really fun race to watch. It's a, it's a great intermediate track on the schedule. Uh, but for whatever reason, in my opinion, this, this race was just an absolute stinker. There was two total cautions other than the stage breaks. The, the, there really just wasn't much of an exciting race or, or product on the track. The biggest thing to me was the restarts 
were the most exciting. And then obviously your overtime, uh, those two things were the most exciting in my opinion, but from an overall race standpoint, uh, I just didn't think it was a good race. What are your thoughts? Unfortunately, I have to agree with you. And it was, it was like, it just was boring. It, it wasn't, there wasn't anything going on. You had dominant cars. Willie, Willie Byron just, just dominated that race and nobody really challenged him at all. And if they, if NASCAR is going to lose the product on these intermediate tracks, we could have a serious problem uh, when we're not doing real well on short tracks either. Yeah. You pointed out the, the intermediate tracks make up a majority or, or a pretty solid portion of NASCAR schedule. And you look at last year, I mean, the next gen car performed really, really well at these intermediate tracks and made for some really fun and exciting racing. There's been some podcasts uh, that got put out already that kind of just hope that this is kind of a one-off type situation. They, they pointed out that it was really windy in Las Vegas this past weekend. It was really cold in Las Vegas historically it has not been cold. So you think about the past two weekends, you had snow in California and you had a really, really cold Las Vegas and the drivers think between the cold weather and the wind that kind of altered the, the race that we saw. So I hope that's true because like you pointed out, we already have question marks on the, on the short tracks. And if we've got question marks now on these intermediate tracks, this could be a really long, boring season for NASCAR fans watching NASCAR. So there were, there was at least one team that did not think that this race sucked. And those are the three Hendrick drivers. We mentioned it before. Willie B dominating this race, 176 laps led and Hendrick finished one, two, three and no chase Elliott. That's unfortunate. That's sad. Yeah. You that, and you bring up a good point there, Josh is man. If chase Elliott was healthy and in this race, would we have saw, or, or would we have seen a clean sweep with Hendrick, you know, finishing one, two, three, four, I think the odds of that are pretty high, but uh, it's few and far between that you see a race, especially with this next gen car get dominated. Like we saw Willie B at, in Las Vegas. The first one that came to mind to me was Kyle Larson at Miami Homestead last year in the playoffs. I don't know if you remember that race, but I think he led like 199 laps, absolutely just tore, torched the field and was by far the fastest car. And, and this was eerily similar to that. It's a Hendrick car. Uh, this time it was Willie Byron, but he he absolutely was the fastest car. Uh, I, I don't think anyone was going to come close to beating him yesterday. The overtime did come out and you wondered, man, because I think he restarted fourth, if memory serves me right. You wondered maybe he was too far back, but uh, he timed everything right and he had the fastest car and eventually, you know, took the lead and, and never, never relinquished it. So uh, as you pointed out, Bowman and Larson finished behind him. So Hendrick finished one, two, three, which is kind of cool to see. Um, and, and again, man, these Hendrick Chevys are fast and we'll see if if they can continue that on these intermediate tracks moving forward. Yeah, it seems like Chevy has a uh, a leg up on the the manufacturers, and then Hendrick has an extra leg up on on just the tweaks or how, the setups that they're doing on these cars because they have been they've been fast all year. One of the more exciting events in this race was the incident between Brad Keselowski and his old teammate Joey Logano. For those that didn't watch, so Kyle Busch, Keselowski, and Logano were racing three wide there for a couple laps, and it was really fun watching them, you know, race three wide consistently for for a few laps there. But 
heading into turn four, you have Lagan on the outside, you've got Keslowski in the middle, and you have Kyle Bush down low. And I'm not sure what happened, but to me, it looked like Keslowski either got loose or tight, kind of pushed up into the corner and essentially had, or Logano had nowhere to go, but hit the wall. And he hit it really, really hard, spun him out, went through the infield. His car got really airborne. I don't know if you saw the slow-mo, but his all four tires got off the ground. Uh, and, and that unfortunately kind of ended Logano's day. So for, for those fantasy teams that had Joey Logano, uh, he was the one guy that that did not finish the race, so that was a hard hit there. But um, it, it's it's funny how these guys were teammates in the past. I'm not sure if he did it on purpose or not, but uh, we'll see if maybe this lingers on into the season with these two. Logano has no friends on the track, remember? So that's true. <laughs> uh, we mentioned uh, we mentioned the dominating day for Willie Byron. Uh, Byron picks up the stage one win, stage two win, the winner, and the most laps led. So that is the clean sweep for William Byron. He had the least possible points at minus 13. First time that's happened all year. How many times did that happened last year? Do we know? Uh, no, I don't know. It would. Did it, ha- did it happen at all last year? It might have if it maybe once or twice. I'd have to go yeah, back and look. I was just saying. Not I a think very maybe, common maybe thing. Once. So good day for the 24 car of William Byron. On to Jeff Gluck's poll. Speaking of Jeff Gluck's poll, I, I just checked and 48.7%. You heard me correctly. 48.7% of fans said, yes, it was a good race. That is horrible. And one of the lowest scores or percentages that I can remember seeing. Who's voting yes in these polls? That's a good what question. Are they, the only- what are they What are they seeing? I was just saying, the only thing that I can think of is maybe they were a fan of the restarts or maybe they were a fan of the overtime because the overtime race, you know, the three laps was really exciting to watch. But other than that, man, this race was horrible. So I'm not sure. I don't know how you could sit there and watch this whole race from start to finish and then click. Yes, that was a good race. Doesn't make sense to me. That's very high compared to what I thought I would. I would have expected in the 30s. But that low. So that's I mean. There just wasn't. I guess if you're a William Byron fan, you're you thought it might have thought it was a good race or a Hendrick fan, I guess. But yeah, yeah, that's true. Seems, just seems high, almost half. I was gonna say you you look at last year's spring race, ninety point four percent. So uh, obviously nowhere close to that. And then the fall race was eighty five point five percent. So historically, Las Vegas has been a really really fun, exciting race track uh, to watch as a race fan, which is why I thought we were going to see a really good race, especially coming off Fantana or Fontana, which might've been one of the best races we we've ever, you know, seen in the last two years. So unfortunately we were, we were all let down. We were all disappointed. Uh, I shouldn't say all there's 48.7% of fans out there that thought it was good, but overall not a good race. And quite frankly, uh, that might go down as like one of the top three worst races in 2023. We'll move on to our fantasy discussion with our update from the commissioner. All right. I'm going to get started with the top 10. Um, and I think I'd, I'd prefer to just run second through 10th place. If that's all right <laughs> yeah, with let's, you guys. We don't, we don't need to worry about first this week. It's all good. <laughs> all right. I'll give it to you, Zach. First place, Zach Dick, number three. Up Congratulations, Zach. Spots. Yep. It helps, well, it helps when you have Willie, Willie B on your team. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah i think you might even have a couple in the top 30 two of your teams so 
pretty impressive. I'm, I'm trying to make a run at, early. at Josh's killer year last year. So <laughs> well, we'll to touch go. on Josh's team too before we're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I know which section place, that's going to be in. <laughs> you've got the good view speed shop that's at Derek gobble on twitter third spot is ron henrickson fourth is nailed it at j lee stewart underscore 88 we have a three-way tie for fifth place mark crecci and nancy crecci husband and wife not the same teams and adam studer number one eighth place is I hate NASCAR too. <laughs> he shouldn't be and able to do well that, with that name. <laughs> <laughs> that would uh, that'd be my dad at Tracy in five 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 seven three seven three nine on Twitter. <laughs> shout out, shout out to a friend of the show, Tracy Norton. <laughs> That's right. Wait, can you can you get that Twitter handle one more time? I didn't. My pencil ran out of ink here. I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a one eight hundred number. <laughs> Uh, ninth place is Team Malibu at D Chambers 72. And in 10th place, rounding out the top 10 is Kenneth Holloway. Uh, this week, we saw a low score of 25 points from Tammy Colby and a high of 134 points by Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. <laughs> and we had an average score this year for uh, 74 points. So uh, nothing too out of the ordinary with the the track stats this week who, at Vegas. Who is Dr. Hunts? Well, who's the, the the high score? Dr. Dr. Who? Bunsen Honeydew. And who who so is that again? One of your one of your buddies from New York, Dennis. <laughs> oh, that's Dennis's team. Okay. Yes. Yeah. He, yep. If anybody knows who Dr. Honeydew, what is it? Honeydew Bronson. What is his name again? Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. Yeah, Bunsen he's from Honeydew. the Muppets, and he said that that's what Zach and I look like. So. Wow. Thanks a lot, Dennis. So he named oh, his team name that. Team so I think, I think another thing we might have to do is uh, a fan vote of the team names because there are some there are some good team yeah. names here. People uh people really <laughs> really got creative with some of these names. And unfortunately, speaking of good team names, I'm gonna run through the top ten rookies here. Uh in first first overall rookie is a good view speed shop. He's in P2. Uh, Ron Henriksen, P3, nailed it in P4. Uh, your fourth best rookie is Team Malibu in P9. Fifth is Kenneth Holloway in P10. Sixth, Barry, M, in P11. <laughs> you guys want to know who Barry M is? Go ahead and take a li listen to last week's episode, Top 10 Rookies, <laughs> and see if you catch it this time. Uh, and seventh, seventh best rookie is CDB and P13. Eighth is Michael Roller and P14. Nine is Pat Brosnahan and P16. And 10 is Mark Martin Motorsports and P17. So our top 10 rookies make up the top 17 positions in the league right now. So pretty impressive performance by our rookies. Going into biggest risers at Vegas, uh, in first place, picking up 94 spots from 121st to 27th is Ransom Racing 7W. That's at Willie Ransom 7. Second, picking up 89 spots from 169th position to 80th is Ron Boyson number one. And third place, Broken Toe Link, that's me, picking up 81 spots from 155th spot to 74th. Our uh, biggest fallers 
here is Jack Griffin at Jack P Griffin on Twitter. Dropped 109 spots. He was in 71st, dropped to 180th. Good job, Dave Jack. Getty. Yep. Another shout out to a New York friend, Jack. Uh, Dave Getty dropped 91 spots from 87th to 178th. And Schaefer, number four, dropped 79 spots from 42nd to 121st place. Your top five fantasy drivers after Vegas or through Vegas, Ross Chastain has a 4.0 average. Second is Alex Bowman. Third, Daniel Suarez. Fourth, Kevin Harvick. And fifth, Kyle Busch. And I can't go without touching on the worst drivers in fantasy right now. Your bottom five, Eric Jones. Noah Gregson, Chase Briscoe, Tyler Reddick, and Ryan Priest. So I mentioned on Twitter today, um, real quick as I'm talking about movers for fantasy drivers, Tyler Reddick is one of the most underperforming. He's uh, running 10 spots below his expected. And Ricky Stenhouse is your top per- overperforming driver. So a little, little bit of an update on drivers there. So is there any buddy that is surprising to you from from that list of of drivers that are the top five and the bottom five to me daniel suarez um he was he was valued at 12 and he's running as a 19 point driver and then obviously tyler reddick uh he's a 16 point driver currently running at a six second to last man he had a rough start to last year too i think if if i remember and then he turned it on at the end because memory, remember, you thought he was he was higher than what he truly was, but he had a lot of of me- mechanical driver error type issues that derailed his season last year. And we, I remember us. I think we kind of hammered Daniel Suarez as a uh, over overvalued pick um, when we did our preview show. So for him to have an average finish of seven point is is pretty impressive. I'm kind of surprised Ross Chastain is 4.0. That's well, he had a. Uh, I think he was negative four last week, so he was running with zero points coming into Vegas. Oh, gotcha. Those are with the bonus points. That's yep. Uh, yep. Gotcha. Um, real quick before we move on, we've shouted out Zach for first place. We've shouted out myself for biggest mover. So I can't uh, skip mentioning our last place person still. <laughs> Josh Rolfus. There's going to be, there's going to have to be some kind of uh swap that happens, but to obviously Tyler, Tyler Reddick's on that team and he's killing me. I think I have Chase Briscoe and Ryan Priest. I think there's three of the bottom five. So Ooh. you do that, you're going to be at the, that team's basically done. So we'll move That's on. About... I, have, I have three other teams that I can root for for the rest of the year, but that, that uh, team's about as good as your bold predictions. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up again. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, wow. Looking at the storylines from this past week, fantasy-wise, we start with the new leader. So again, congratulations, Zach. It's you. You've t- you took a year off last year from from the top of the leaderboard. Let me have a little bit of time, and and now I see it's it's yours again. So enjoy. It's, it's nice being on top, but. I'm a realist, long season, so I just hope to get these teams into the playoffs and see what happens. There, We talked last week about the dramatic shifts up and down from these teams, and again, three weeks in, and we had some pretty significant swings both up and down. 
I, th- I thought maybe we were done seeing that, but apparently not. Uh, th- there's some big movements in, in fallers this week. So, um, you know, I think, I think we'll see maybe a couple, couple more weeks of that, especially with Atlanta coming up in two weeks. But uh, I think eventually the, these big movements won't be as big or, you know, you won't go up or down as much, but I guess, I guess we'll find out. Cause we, I don't remember seeing movements like this last year, but, Maybe that's just going to be the norm with how many entries we have this year and how close things are. We like to touch on our swaps. And this last week, or actually not even this last week, these last three days have been pretty hectic for you, uh, Norton, with everybody reaching out, looking to swap Chase Elliott. And I, so I don't know if you guys have Chase Elliott on your teams, if you've swapped him out yet or not, but I... I looked at it and I, I felt like I was rushed. So I wanted to take a week. I wanted to see what Josh Berry could do because he's going to come back at some point. So, at, you know, a lot of people are rushing to to swap chase. I get it. You could get Larson for the same amount of points and, and he's probably going to run better than whoever's in the nine car. What are your thoughts on people swapping them out? Are you going to swap? What are your what are you guys looking at? Well, I'll say I've I've already swapped. I, I had Chase Elliott on on one team, and I already swapped him out for uh, Christopher Bell, if I remember right. So uh, I'm just trying to hammer, you know, stop the bleeding, and and hopefully, uh, you know, Chase will come back. But with no timetable out there, if they said he was going to be out four races, maybe you hang on to him and, and just hope he he catches fire and and propels your team at least into the playoffs. But I mean, who knows how long he's out? So it's almost it's almost, you know, it, I mean, it's a gamble. There's no doubt about it, but I, I figured my best chances of making the playoffs is to hurry up and try to get points now. Cause these, as you see, I mean, one week you could, you can shoot up 80 spots, you can fall 80 spots. So uh, these standings are going to be really tight. And I, I was just trying to, to, I guess, prevent the downside, if that makes sense. Yeah. Four weeks was my, my thought too. And I held out on a swap this week because of not having that timetable. And, you know, if, if it came in that four weeks, maybe he got back. Uh, I think it's worth keeping him, but any longer than that, if you, if you're considering Josh Berry versus Chase Elliott every week, you're probably what 15 fantasy points each week that you're throwing away. So multiply that by six to eight weeks. And that's, that's a huge fantasy impact. Um, so I, mean, I, I probably will be making my swap. But. And, and you're, when you're running Josh Berry, you're probably not considering any stage wins, any laps led, you're missing out on no wins. Right. So you're you're lis- missing out on those bonus points as well. I, I I hesitated to to make the swap ahead of of this past Sunday's race. One because I wanted to see if there was any more information. Like you said, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. It's a big difference. But I also wanted to get one more week of data to see who's you know mm-hmm. who's running well and who's not. And I mean, it's only one extra week, but I I will probably swap them. I, I'm sure we'll we're not done with the 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 number of swaps. But do you want to kind of go into how many swaps we actually had last week? Yeah, I will. And and one more point to that. Speaking of waiting out, who's going to replace him was another question. You know, Josh Berry did it this week, but was that what they were going to do going forward? Were they going to bring in a veteran, retired person? You know, a lot of that has to be taken into consideration Jeff too. Gordon, and they haven't, Jeff Gordon yeah. jumps into the car. Jimmy Johnson. How nuts was, would was that discussed. be? <laughs> that'd, that'd be wow. pretty wild, but 
Um, yeah, so getting into the swaps, uh, I think we had two last week when we recorded. We are up to 24 driver swaps now. <laughs> um, that's that's through today. Um, 20 of those swaps are Chase Elliott. And uh, most of them were swapping to Kyle Larson. Makes sense, 20 for 20. But so many teams also had Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson on their team. Mm-hmm. So I think over half the swaps for Chase were to go to Kyle Larson. Um, four other swaps that we'll mention, though, here. Ryan Priest was swapped out for Ross Chastain, and I think that might have been one we mentioned last week. Uh, Noah Gregson swapped out for A.J. Allmendinger. We also mentioned that one. And the other two are Chase Briscoe swapped out for Alex Bowman and Justin Haley swapped out for Christopher Bell. And mm-hmm. that Justin Haley-Christopher Bell swap, that was another team that I think they only used 67 points initially, so they had room for a big swap. And the other one was Chastain for who? Uh, they dropped Chase Briscoe and picked up Alex Bowman. Oh, man, that's an upgrade. And they, those are equal value drivers. <laughs> Put that in perspective. Man. What What if you do if you want to swap Ryan Priest and uh, Chase Briscoe? Because you have both <laughs> of them on your team. You just you just get called out for being last place every week. <laughs> I think, JP's boy. I think yeah, you, you, you don't swap anybody on that team and just see how bad it gets. Like <laughs> see how see how many points you are from from either the next guy or from the playoff cutoff line and just see how bad it is. You're a sick bastard, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's easy to say when it's not your team. So you know dang well that if if I was on the other side of things, you'd be benching the same stuff. (laughs) What 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 if this team comes back to win it all? Not happening. No. No. What if what if Kyle Bush, Martin Truex, and Kevin Harvick all win four races each this year? (laughs) I think I think if you go back to it, I only said Truex and and Harvick, so I I don't think that's true, Josh. Well, after I'm done editing, that's what it's gonna say. So <laughs> true, Truex Harvick, that's it. So all right, so thanks for calling me out. Uh, we did the swaps, and one other thing I just want to shout out is my mother-in-law Nancy Krejci, who is the only team to be in the top ten all th- after all three races. So a lot of up and down, a lot of movement. One steady team in the top 10 happens to be Nancy. And if uh, you followed her team at all, I don't know why you would, because she's been at the bottom for every time she's in. But she picked her team this year, and she is in the top 10. So good job. All right, enough with, with Vegas. Let's look ahead to the United Rentals Work United 500. I got three Zach's facts for you. The first Zach, Zach's facts of the night. First seven races at Phoenix were won by drivers who were inducted into the Hall of Fame. Alan Kowicki, Bill Elliott, Dale Sr., Davey Allison, Mark Martin, and Terry Labonte each won uh, their NASCAR, the NASCAR race at Phoenix, the first seven races there. I thought that was pretty cool. No kind of surprise Oh, uh, winners there or people that we've not heard of. Uh, Zach's fact number two tonight is the Phoenix Raceway has some Hall of Fame family ties connected to it with father-son duos both winning at Phoenix. The two families are the Earnhardts and the Elliots. 
they have all won there. So I thought that was a cool fact to throw in. And the last Zach's fact of the night in November 2015, Phoenix renamed their racetrack the Jeff Gordon Raceway to honor Gordon before he retired. This is the first time a track was renamed for a NASCAR race. So for all you Jeff Gordon fans out there, I'm sure you remember that, but he actually uh, was a recipient of a name change in NASCAR and the only one to this point. That sounds like a good race. That sounds like a good race for him to jump in that nine car. I I agree. It'd be fun to see him in this with 500 miles (laughs) in this new car, see what he can do. (laughs) I'm guessing it wouldn't go very well, but you never know. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, um, you, you look at last year's races, and it's kind of a tale of two tapes. You've got the spring race, which actually was pretty solid, and then the fall race or the championship race was an absolute dud. So, um, with with the rule changes that are that, that are now in place for this weekend, I'm hoping that we see a better racing product than we saw kind of last year historically at this racetrack. Uh, the restarts are absolutely wild at Phoenix. Uh, and that is probably the best part of this race historically is just seeing these cars fan out three, four, five wide, uh, which is really exciting to see. Um, but again, fingers crossed that this is a good race with these new rule changes. And, and hopefully that, you know, kind of gives everyone a baseline of, of what to expect now on these short tracks or these short ovals uh, moving forward in 2023. And looking at driver stats, Kevin Harmick has dominated Phoenix. He leads all average finishers at an 8.7 average finish. Danny Hamlin is second at a 10.5. Rowdy Kyle Busch is third at 10.6. Chase Elliott, 11.9 in fourth. And Kyle Larson is fifth with a 12.2 average finish. Looking back at the spring race last year, the top six, and the reason why I'm doing six is Kurt Busch finished fifth. He is not in NASCAR anymore, but the top six, Chase Briscoe, uh, Ross Chastain, Tyler Reddick, Ryan Blaney, Kurt Busch, and then Kevin Harvick finished in sixth. So that kind of gives you a good feel. Uh, Maybe, I guess, with these rule changes, none of this matters, but that kind of gives you a feel on who historically has been good at Phoenix. Let's look at our picks for the week. Last week, I had Alex Bowman, Zach, you had Kyle Busch, and Nort had Martin Truex. And for a while there, it looked like Martin Truex was going to give Norton his first win. Then Almirola got into the wall. We had a restart, and uh, Truex decided to stay out with no tires and was a sitting duck for everybody to pass him, including Alex Bowman who finished third. So with his second win in a row, I pick up uh, the victory with Alex Bowman. So the standings are Josh with two, Zach with one, Norton with a big zero. All right, so we got Norton first, then Zach, then Josh. So Nort, here's your chance to to pick a driver that's going to get you a win. All right. I'm going with probably the obvious pick here. Maybe not. Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick. Okay. Second best driver since 2020. Best driver ever, maybe, at Phoenix. He's just, he's strong there. Now, are you are you concerned about 
Fords as a whole right now or no? I am, but my next driver is Logano. So okay, <laughs> sounds like I was going boat or going Ford anyway. Okay. Okay. All right, Zach, who you got? Oh man. Um, God, this, the hard part about this whole picking thing is do you use good drivers right away or do you save them for the end of the season and, and take a, like a hail Mary type pick, uh, <laughs> early, but I do not want to eat freaking hot wings. So I don't know what to do. Um, I'm going to take Ross Chastain. Okay. Chevys are fast. He finished top three in both races last year. He's been fast all year long. I've got to get some some uh, wiggle room from last place. So you think well, Trackhouse and Chastain keep their keep their hot streak going, huh? I'm telling you, these Chevys are super fast this year. And again, this race is going to be a wild card because we don't know what these rule changes, uh, you know, how they impact these cars and what they do. But Fords have me nervous. Toyotas are just kind of subpar and Chevys have been dominant. So that's the analogy there. Yeah, I think you're spot on with the the Chevy thing. Uh, I knew my driver was going to be a Chevy. And I'm just going to roll with with the hot hand and I'm going to take William Byron, keep it going Chevy and uh, see what happens. Thing else, guys, any final thoughts before we, we sign off for tonight? No, this was fun. All right, gentlemen. Well, enjoy uh, your week and uh, enjoy the race. The atop the pit box podcast is supported by paradise executive properties.com. Now is a great time to book a trip to Lake of the Ozarks, and Paradise Executive Properties has you covered. They have several modern and fully furnished homes that sleep up to 19 people, so bring your friends and family down to create a memory that will last a lifetime. For more information or to book your reservation today, visit ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. Your day. I lost my mind. I need my